see you. I don't. Th- We're not on Zoom today, so uh, I, there might be some people on Zoom. I don't know, but uh, I don't think so. So it's great to see you all who've made it today, even on this bank holiday. You've made it to church. It's great to see you, and um, I really want to welcome you if you're here for the first time. My name's Matt. My privilege to speak to you this morning. We're continuing in a series in the book of 1 Corinthians. So if you could turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13, we've got to the uh, famous chapter on love, you'll be pleased to know. And as I was looking at this uh, chapter, I was going to try and cover the whole thing today. And you'll be pleased to know I'm not going to cover the whole thing. I've decided that we're going to take it more slowly because it's such an important important chapter. If you remember, this series is called Becoming Love. And that the, 1 Corinthians 13 is the center point of this book and the center point of this series. If we learn to love each other, then that'll be, that's what God wants for us. That's the kind of person he wants you to be. That's the kind of church he wants us to be. That's how he wants us to be with each other. He wants us, it's how he wants us to be in the world around us, in our workplaces, in the places God's put us, in our families. We need to learn to be loved. Do you, find, do you find it challenging to love? Just raise your hand if you find it challenging to love. No, just a couple of you. Yeah, you find it hard to love, okay? We all find it hard to love. And you're going to see as we go through this, it's a challenging subject. You remember last week, we talked about gifts of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that? Yeah? You remember that? Yes, let's try and get a bit of um, response. Do you remember we talked about gifts of the Holy Spirit last week? Yes, good. And uh, we talked about how God has given every one of you gifts to use to build the church. And we use those gifts in our workplaces and in other places. But in 1 Corinthians, he's talking about as a church, when you come together, you have gifts. That doesn't mean to say you can't use them in other places, but that's not the emphasis. The emphasis is this. When we come together like this, have you been blessed this morning with the worship, yeah? Yeah, you have, haven't you? Have you been blessed by the notices? Have you been blessed by the chairs? Someone put those out for you. That's a gift. That was a gift. Serving, right? Are you pleased that the carpet's been um, hoovered? I mean, it's very stained. That's not our fault, right? We, we let this out in the week. And, but, you know, it, it's done. It's cleaned. The building is maintained. These are all gifts. Practical gifts. But there are also gifts, as we go on in the meeting, right, they're going to be prophecy and prayers and sharing messages and things. That are going to inc- and afterwards, maybe you've got a struggle in your life and someone's going to say to you, how are you doing? And you're going to say, oh, I'm really struggling with this. Life's difficult. And someone's going to say to you, well, let me read to you from the Bible this encouraging passage and let me pray for you. That's going to be a gift of the Holy Spirit. And we've all got gifts to use. Like the, we talked about the body of Christ, and how we are to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Say eagerly desire. You're sleepy this morning. I know many people are away, but thank you. I can hear you, Glynis. But um, we need to get a bit more Glynis, don't we? That could be a verb. Let's get more Glynis. That could be a T-shirt, Jason Byrne. I could get a, he wears great T-shirts. It's love never gives up this morning. Get more Glynis is what we need on our T-shirts. Hallelujah in, 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 in uh, speech marks. 
Um, what am I saying? Turn to your neighbor and say, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Yeah. And if you remember, I said when I was growing up, I would look at the catalogue at Christmas and I would say, oh, if only, and I would go through the Argos catalogue it was and I would um, circle things. Say, oh, if only I had this Superman suit, which I got a Superman suit actually. It was one of the best Christmases ever. I mean, yeah, Superman, you know, and um, I remember loving love it. I remember wearing it, feeling, you know, Superman. But I remember I, remember I said I, I never got a Playmobil plane and you were all very sorry for me. Guess what my son bought me in the week? Look at this, guys. Okay. You're never too old for a Playmobil plane. So gifts. You eagerly desire gifts. And I thought it was very kind of him to do that, right? And loving, all right? It was loving. And that is what we're talking about now. If we're going to use gifts of the Holy Spirit... Um, in a way that is, in a way that is pleasing to God and to each other, we've got to be motivated by love, and that's what he goes on to say. He says, "To the body of Christ, you're to want gifts, but now I want to tell you this: without love, before God." So let me pray, Lord. I pray for us. Oh Lord, help us to. Help us to be more like you in our love. Help us to be more like you in our love. Holy Spirit, come and teach us this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I mean, I struggle with love. I struggle with love. I struggle to, we're going to look through, there are about 15, I think there are 15 verbs here that talk about what love is. You'd be pleased to know, I'm only going to be covering the first two today. Because in the end, I thought this message was going to be way too long. Um, so I thought I'd love you all by just cutting it a bit shorter and just covering a couple of these things. I thought we could do a bit more justice to the, to the words rather than just generally speaking, let's love. Let's look at the words carefully. And um, I, was, I heard um, a podcast, or Helen um, had a podcast on, and I overheard it, listened to it. It was a podcast from Christian Heritage. And it's a very good podcast. It's well worth listening to Christian Heritage podcast. There's some really good interviews on there. And they were interviewing a headmaster from Fulham Boys School, which is a Christian school. And their aim is to be a good school, be a great school, but to teach the boys about Jesus and the gospel as well. And I was overhearing this chat, the, the man, I can't remember, Alan... Ebenezer, he's called, and he was giving his story about, it's so impressive, it's well worth listening to, it's just so inspiring to hear his, hear his passion for Jesus and what he wants to achieve, and I, he was talking about being in Wales and having a comfortable life, the place he grew up in, family nearby, 10 minutes walk to work. His wife's job was very local as well. It's very convenient. You know, life is good. And then he saw an advert for they were, they were going to set up this new school. And he felt compelled to apply. And he did apply. 
And it was one of those situations where he didn't want to do it, but he felt compelled by God. It was one of those situations where his wife didn't want to come to London, but she wanted to obey God, wanted to support her husband, felt it was right prayerfully. And I just thought there was this great ambition here to follow, to love God. To love him by, loving God is practical. It means obeying him and doing hard things and sacrifice. Even like moving to London, right, where it's not always easy. Especially if you're coming from your hometown where you've got a bit more space. Maybe you've got parking and so on. And a garden and all that kind of stuff, right? And you move here, it can be a bit of sacrifice. But the thing that really struck me was his passion for... um, the boys, and he said, what I love about what I'm doing, and he's trying to set up, set up more of these schools as well, what I love about doing is I, that we tell them the gospel at least every week. And he said, if any of my boys end up in hell, they will have, they will have had to have pushed past a crucified saviour. And I just thought, He's not just believing the gospel. He is wanting young people to know the gospel. And to do that, he's leaving like Abraham. He's going, he's doing as a family, uprooting his family. His, their son had to go to a new school and so on. Quite sacrifice. And I just, it's love. It's for love. Love of God, but also for the love of people. And I thought it was such a great example if I and we could just, in the different ways, love God and love people in that kind of fashion, whatever sacrifice it takes, and it does take sacrifice, but there is a sense when you listen to someone like that, that, they're not, that they are giving something up, but what they're, all, what they're gaining is such a great sense of purpose and a great sense of doing what is of great worth in their lives. It's, it's hard, but it's worth it that you get that sense from it. And faith does that. Love does that. But can I tell you another, another bit about it for me was I also was tempted as I was listening to him to um, feel sorry for myself. Because there's another side to, to seeing great, greatness. True greatness, which is love, sacrifice. And, and you, I was listening to him and I was thinking, man, you've got so much about you. you, know, you you've got so much energy and, and, and uh, capability and leadership and the stuff which we can all want. We want to be respected, right? We want to be seen as capable. We want to be seen as high status. We want to be seen as achieving and... That example can be twisted by our own hearts and we can then say, well, I'm just useless. I'm just not going to bother. What am I doing with my life? It's worthless. Or, and you can, we go another way when we say, right, I'm going to try and be like that. And we become prideful and we try and puff ourselves up. We start boasting about ourselves because we're trying to fulfill a lack in our own hearts. You see, 
We can do great things out of love, but we can also seek to do great things pride, lack of self-worth, and these things can be twisted, and we've got to learn to love pure, in, a, in a pure fashion. We're not doing it for it. We're not doing it for envy. We're not doing it for pride. We're not doing it for status. We're doing it because we genuinely want to do good. We want to serve God and we want to serve people. And, and as we saw last week, and this is what was happening at Corinth, we can say this about ourselves. Because I am not that, I am not a part of the body. Because I'm not that, I'm not a part of the body. I want to say to every single one of you, you may not be that, but you have got the gifts that God has given you and the opportunities God has given you. And if you will love God and love people in those opportunities, you will live a great life. You will achieve great things. You may not be recognized. You may not be in the Christian Heritage podcast. But before God, if you genuinely love with the gifts you've got, not with the gifts you haven't got, with the gifts you've got, then you will do great things. I struggle with, 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 with loving people purely. I can get ambitious. I can get boastful. I can get envious. I can, I can be, feel sorry for myself. You struggle with this as well. We all do. And we all have a certain amount of days in our lives. And I want us all, and I'm sure you want to, for yourself, live, live them well. Live them for true greatness. And that's a good thing. Good ambition is a good thing. And what we're saying today is this. Love is success. Okay? To love is success. Because love is to be like Jesus, who laid his life down for you, gave himself up for you, died for you like a criminal, was rejected for you to save you, to take your sin upon himself. That is true success. And that's, we're model, we, we, he's our model, we are living that out. We are living out, we are dying for each other. Not to save them, but in service. In, in the same way, we're dying, and there are only sinners in the world. There's no one perfect. So we're, we're always loving sinners who are not perfect, and you're not perfect either. So we like Christ. That's why love is success. So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter, well, we start off with verse 31 of chapter 12. Eagerly desire the greater gifts. So we talk about gifts of the Holy Spirit there. And yet, I will show you the most excellent way. So let's just, just pause a moment. He's saying if you want to have gifts, various gifts of the Holy Spirit, you must, you must seek to love so that you use them lovingly. You see, you see that, don't you? It's a bit like a river. Your life is like a river. If the source of the river is polluted, the river is polluted. If you are, if we are living for selfish ambition and pride and trying to boat puff ourselves up and look successful, selfish, then the river will be polluted. If we can get love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, by God's grace, then the river will be loving and the gifts will be loving. So we've got to get love. Love isn't a gift of the Spirit. Love is the manner with which we use all of our gifts. 
So, let's carry on. Verse chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. If I have the faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm only, I am nothing. It's quite strong, isn't it? I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, And if I give over my body to hardship, that means even if I, what he's talking about there, if you look into it, is that if I am even prepared to die in my service for the poor, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing, you see. So he's talking about these gifts of the Holy Spirit here. And he's he's picking out a few examples here, tongues, prophecy, Laying your life down, serving the poor, generosity, gifts of knowledge, words of knowledge, uh, you know, these, these various gifts are representative of all gifts. No matter how big they may seem to be, or how successful you may seem to be, or how acclaimed you are, if you're not, if you're not actually seeking to love people through your gifts, we are nothing. We gain nothing. We may get, we may get a slot on TV... We, we, we may have a great website where people follow us. Uh, follow us. We may have millions of Twitter followers. We, we, we may look successful. And we live in a world, don't we, where, uh, where celebrity is seen as success, where the amount of followers you have on social media is seen as success. Whereas God says, no, it's the content of character and the, the motives with which you do things and that make for success. We live in such a shallow world where the way you look and the amount of attention you can garner for yourself makes you a successful person. It's, it's disgraceful. God sees love. That is success. It doesn't matter if, if you haven't got many people paying attention to you and following you. And we mustn't seek to fall into that whole clickbait world where we do silly things just so we get attention. And, we, and I understand the pressure we're under to look a certain way, to show ourselves in a certain way, to compromise so that we get attention. But I want to say this to you. God wants to give you all the attention you need. And he wants you to know his love and his kindness. He wants to come into your life and embrace you. And know his friendship and kindness. And then from that position, we can then truly love other people. Whatever we do, if it's not based on love, it's nothing. Do we have the right gauge of success? What's your gauge of success? What, what would make you successful? I know you'd probably say love, wouldn't you, if I was loving people. But, you know, it's worth just thinking it through as you go into this week. And how, how do I really, how would I really view my, how would I be successful in this life? What am I really after? Most of us, it's the acclaim of other people. It's the praise of other people. It's the pat on the back, it's the, well, no, nothing wrong with those things, but they can become idols. 
and we can live for it. I was thinking about when I was a, a, a young person, I remember Richard Branson getting in his balloon, and he, it was the biggest balloon in history, and he, um, he, he was the first person with his colleague to go across the uh, Atlantic in a balloon, Virgin Atlantic Flyer, and um, they achieved speeds of 130 miles per hour at times. And uh, this is, it was all on the news. And, but, but what happened at, towards the end was, if you remember, was that they, were in, they had to jump out of the balloon into the sea because of dan- the dangerous situation that they were in. And this was uh, sure, actually. I mean, they did actually make it. But anyway, they had to jump out into the sea. And I just thought it's such a great illustration here of our lives, right? We can, we can build a massive balloon. We can pump the thing up. We can look at the beautiful balloon. We can travel at hundreds of miles an hour. We can put ourselves on the front of the, you know, be seen, be acclaimed. Look at you. Look at you. Just look at you. Aren't you successful? Let's write a book. Let's write a book. You know, let's, let's get it all out. Let's, you're, you're lifted up. But when it comes to facing God, you jump out of your balloon and it counts for nothing. You've left it all behind. Is what we're doing actually valuable? Actually worthwhile? And, as I'm saying, as we love people, that is what makes our lives worthwhile. Do everything in love. It says in 1 Corinthians 16, 14, do everything in love. The word agape, agape, love, only found in the New Testament, agape, love. If you want to understand what love is, you've got to look in the Bible and find out what it says about it. Because what is love? How do you know what love is? And the greatest definition of love is who? Jesus. So the greatest definition is who? who? Jesus. That's right. He is love. God is love. And that's often used as like a defense mechanism for don't talk to me about stuff. Right? No. Jesus tells us what love is. God is love. And do ever, if I say do everything in love, it means to live like Christ, agape. It's to do good for people regardless of their merit or demerit. Wow, that's, that's quite radical, isn't it? Christian love is to do good for people regardless of their merit or demerit. Not because you're worth it. Well, you are worth it. I mean, what I mean is, we, we love people regardless. That's Christ-like love, you see. He died for you whilst you were a sinner. He loves you whilst you remain imperfect, sinning people. God is patient with us, kind with us all the time. Every day, this morning, God is being patient with you. God is being patient with me right now. 
Right now, I am a mixed bag of motives. No matter how much I think I'm talking to you in love, I, I think I am. I prayed this morning, may I preach in love. But I know, as you'd be the same, if you were standing up on a stage talking from some notes, you would be a mixed bag of motives. And you are a mixed bag of motives in everything you do. God is patient with you and he's good to you all the time. And can we, can we then transfer that into our own lives so that we are kind and patient with each other all the time, like God? We must let God tell us what love is. Can you imagine that you um, wanted your house decorated? Or imagine this, you created someone's house. And uh, they come back and they say, what, what, this is the wrong colour. What, what, uh, why did you paint it? Why did you paint all the rooms purple? The reason why was because you probably, maybe you didn't ask them what colour they wanted. And it's true of our lives. We're painting the rooms of our lives, the colours we want. We're decorating it how we want, doing it up really nicely. It's very nice, very attractive. The rooms of our lives. Have we asked God what he wants, what he genuinely wants? What is love? Have we asked God what love is? We need to do that. He says this, 1231, Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. I will show you the most excellent way. God wants to show you what love is. Is. And he carries on verse, chapter 13, verse 4. It's carry on reading from this chapter. Love is patient. I'm just going to read through to the end of the chapter here. Just let these ideas flow over you. I'm not going to be able to address, I'm only going to address the first two as we come to an end. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. Rejoices with the truth. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. We know in part, we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part will disappear. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man or woman for yourself, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Yet we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, love. But the greatest of these is love. Let's just briefly look at patience and kindness. We've talked about love is success. We've talked about how we can give our lives to things that are not true success, although it might look it, look it. We've seen that we need to give our lives to loving others 
to truly live a successful life. We need to let God tell us what love is so that we can actually do it. And patience and kindness are the first two aspects. Can we be patient and kind with each other? Can we be patient and kind with those who are outside of the church? Can we be patient and kind? We, we can only do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. You need, you need his grace in your heart. And what, when we look at God's word, it's like a mirror. And as I hold up this mirror, you'll see. You, I, we, I'm not living up to patience and kindness. I need, I need your help, Lord. And he will give you the help to do that. Now, patience is, about, is, 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 a, is, uh, is sometimes referred to as long-suffering, enduring suffering, enduring difficulty. But in the context of love, it's putting up with people over the long haul, being patient with them. This is not the same as putting up with abuse in a marriage. This is not the same as just taking it and being abused. We need to deal with those issues. And if you are in a relationship where there's abuse, or you're just wondering, how do I deal with this? Please talk to me. Talk to Helen, my wife. Talk to Jem. Talk to Susie. Talk to Nev, our elders and our wives. But this is, nevertheless, we've still got to let's talk about in the church, we've got to be patient. And again, this is the context, particularly in the local church. In the church community, we've got to be patient with each other because we annoy each other, don't we? Yeah? Do we annoy each other? Yes. Turn to your neighbor and say, sometimes, no, don't it. But it's true. C.S. Lewis said it. If you are to, to, to love, it's to expose yourself to pain and rejection, right? There's a reason why people want to move away and get away from close relationships. It's because it's painful. There's nothing more painful than feeling the anger and rejection and the difficulties and all the turmoil that come with relationship tensions. It's hard. That's why people just want a dog and not a human being as a friend. Right? That's why they leave their money to the cat charity. Because cats never let you down. They never love you, but they never let you down. Patience, long-suffering. It's like going for a walk with a child, okay? You are a child. You're a bit of a, you're a, bit of a spoilt brat, Okay? Admit it, you are, okay? You'll know it when you start to lose your temper over certain things when you don't get your own way, okay? When you're not patient, you realise you are a spoiled brat. And you're that spoiled brat, and you're, walk, be it, you're walking through the park, and you're just not walking, oh, I'm tired, I don't want to walk anymore. And you're just like, the child is just going slow, and, and you, you, if you're a parent, you've experienced this, haven't you? Yeah, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's possible, is it? For a walk without having a bit of this moment going on, or a bike ride, it's too far, I don't want to go anymore. And, but 
as loving parents, which we all are, I'm sure, perfect parents as we are, we are patient, aren't we? We're long-suffering. They say, okay, okay, child, stay there. I'm going home, leaving them behind. You can stay in the park. You can live with the wolves. You don't, you're patient, aren't you? Ideally. Ideally, you're patient. Forbearing is another way of putting it. To wait for someone without complaining. To wait for someone without complaining. You know, when I feel like I'm waiting for someone, I have to be honest with you, sometimes I just moan about it. Waiting for someone, I don't just mean waiting for them to turn up or something. I mean like as in waiting for them to change. Waiting for them to get better. Waiting for them, whether I'm right or, you know, I mean just waiting for someone to to, to do things differently. At, At my worst moments, I can slander them and I can gossip about them. I talk behind their backs. Why don't they change? And you do the same. It's in the Bible because it's something we, all struggle, we will struggle with forever, until Christ comes. When perfection comes, as we read about. We have to, love is patient because there's always people we have to be patient with. Always going to be. And you're always going to struggle with it. That's why you need to read this again and again and again. And through this next few weeks, let me encourage you to memorize this phrase, these phrases. You can do that, I'm sure. The Corinthians were not being patient with each other. They were falling out. They were arguing. They weren't waiting for each other. And without this, my friends, you will spend your life wandering from church to church, never able to be committed over the long haul. Because to be in a church community requires patience. The church isn't doing things quite as you would want. Isn't doing things as you would expect them to be done. That's always going to be the case. And, you know, people turn up at church times and they're all excited about this community and how it's not like their last community. How in that church, things were all wrong. You come to this church and you, you have this honeymoon period. Oh, I'm in, I'm in community church, Putney. The best church on earth. It's like heaven here. No, it's not. It's just normal people. Normal people with problems that you're going to have to be patient with. Or leave. I suggest you be patient. You will grow if you do. Doesn't mean to say you can't talk to me about problems or elders or any, one another. You know, we can talk about how we want to change. Love is patient. Jesus is patient with you. And that's the, that's the, the source. He's patient with you. He doesn't treat you as your sins deserve. You can turn to your neighbor and say, he doesn't treat you as your sins deserve. Can you say that? He doesn't treat you as your sins deserve. Yeah. And you're telling the truth. It's absolutely true. He's not treating you 
as your sins deserve. He's patient with you. He doesn't give up on you. He doesn't leave you in the park. He doesn't leave you for, for dead. He doesn't I'll give up on you. He's kind to you. Patience and kindness. Kindness is positive. So patience is, if you could put it like this, patience is walking with people without complaining, walking with you. But kindness is, is positive. Pine, kindness is not just enduring. Kindness is actually being positively doing good for people. Doing good for people we find annoying. Buying an ice cream for the spoiled brat. Picking up... I remember what, oh, should I say this? I will. I will say it. She says no. No? One of my children... It's fine. I ended up tying a rope to their bike and pulling them for the duration of the bike ride. That's, that's, that's fine, isn't it? Pulling them for the duration of the bike ride. It doesn't matter which child it was. One of them. <laughs> I just want to point out to you that I think that was kind. And that's what God's like, right? Kind. <laughs> Positively kind. Returning good service for people. That's agape, doing good for people who maybe don't deserve it. I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about we all need to do this, right? God does this for you, and we do this for each other. Receiving the gospel of grace is what gives you that inspiration to do it. Keep reminding yourself of the gospel of grace. Keep reminding yourself how he loves you, how he's patient with you, how he's kind with you. Let's be grateful every day. Be grateful for the good things he does for you. Notice the good things. Notice all the great stuff that's going on in your life. Notice how he's providing. Notice the people he's putting into your life. Notice how he's supporting you. And obviously notice most of all that he gave his only son to die for you so that you can know him. Patience and kindness. Could the band come up? We're going to continue in our worship. Thank you very much. Patience. Patience is behaving like God. Patience and kindness is behaving like God. Let me just read you Matthew 5, 43. And this is what's called common grace. Common grace... Let's remember, right, I don't know if you ever watch the news and feel angered. Do you? Yeah? Outraged. Stuff that's going on at the moment, you know, in Parliament and so on, it's just outrageous. But the good thing about remembering the gospel is this. Whilst thinking, yes, things need to change... Let's remember that you are the same. You are, you are exactly the same. You may not have been caught. It's in your heart. It's in your mind. The same things. And it gives you a gentleness and a kindness and a desire for restoration, which, is, which, which should mark every Christian. And... It's this common grace. It says this. You have heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. 
I tell you, remember we said about the beginning, I will show you a most excellent way. Listen to God, I will show you. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise. Just think about patience and goodness, right? He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only own people, what are you doing more than anybody else? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your Father is perfect. If we're going to truly do what is great, if we are going to live a successful life, then we must live a life of love. Can we be patient with each other? Can we be kind to each other? Can we, like the Father, we can't cause the sun and the rain to fall on people, but can we do good with the resources that we have? What resources have you got? What gifts have you got? You haven't got the sun and the rain, but you've got something. You've got some gifts. You've got some time. You've got some talents. You've got some treasures. You've got some abilities. How can you be patient and kind to those in the church, but then everywhere you go? So let's stand together and let's worship God.